0: Here go. united
1: my name is katherine and i'm your resident fan expert i'm jasper and i'm currently
2: getting my doctorate in julia studies
3: and i'm lauren and i don't have a fancy intro but i write songs about the magicians
1: um so today we are talking with one of my favorite episode ever i think i say that to every episode to be fair but uh this episode was a bit big to my heart because it's so close to the book, and it's uh, uh, for ten our glossy armor. I love this one. I love this one. Uh, but first, we already uh, we always talk about uh, the theme of our of our show, which is vulnerability with a story. And I didn't want to like throw that on you, Lauren, because it's kind of mean to say, show us your vulnerability, you guest." <laughs> <laughs>
2: You're a guest. Now tell us what makes you vulnerable. Who hurt you. <laughs> so I asked Jasper to do it this time. <laughs> so that I can tell strangers what makes me vulnerable. Exactly. Which is actually uh, part of my story, which is that I, I feel like most of the fandom knows I am not an especially vulnerable. How do I want to put it? I hide my emotions and what I'm feeling and when something bothers me because I hear like hear the voice of my ex-boyfriend who obviously should be listened to because he was awful. And it was like if because he always said the same that was like, if they find out what hurts you, if they find out what hurts you, they know how to hurt you. If you tell someone you're hurt, they'll know how to hurt you, and they will hurt you with that. And it's taken uh cat can tell you how long it's taken for me to be able to be like Sometimes th- times things aren't great or okay. Yeah, she was as she was doing a Margot basically. Like I did a big Margot, and I think that's why I avoided rewatching this episode for so long. <laughs> Like I straight up, I convinced myself, I'm like I don't like this episode. I I don't like it at all, and I don't like it because it calls me the fuck out, <laughs> and that's rude. And here I go again, uh, using humor as a coping mechanism. <laughs> if I tell a joke, it's because my depression's really bad.
1: Exactly.
2: Well, I I like that you know this
1: vulnerability of yours now. I mean, um, that's the hardest part is to admit it to ourselves.
2: Oh, somebody Uh, pointed it out. I don't I don't remember who. Somebody
1: pointed it out a couple times. Sometimes I have to yell at them. That's why.
2: (laughs) Um... My my therapist says, "Cat's not yelling at you. Cat's reminding you that you deserve to exist and you deserve to have someone tell you that."
1: Yeah, I'm are a lizard Elliot, basically.
2: My therapist really likes you. <laughs> that is weird. Yep. <laughs>
1: He's um, an odd man. So, um, well, thank you for telling us that. And um, we're going to dive deep inside the episode today. Um, and I invented you, Lauren, because, I mean, you wrote a song about this exact episode. <laughs>
0: So I it think you the title.
1: It's How was that? Uh, uh, was
3: it? Uh, was it weird to like rewatch the episode after? It actually was. I wasn't expecting it to be, um, but I like I watched the episode three or four times. Especially, I watched that one scene that I draw from the most um, a bunch mm-hmm. of times. I also re- reread the part in the book that is similar to this, and I wasn't expecting go- going back afterwards to have any kind of weird reaction to it and I I no- found that I noticed two things. I had forgotten how many lines I actually pulled from the dialogue <laughs> which was a lot and also I w- found myself imagining what the scene would be like if it were a duet between Margot and Elliot and if they oh. were performing because it's a musical episode so technically yeah. if they that's the one thing the show never did was original songs for the musical episodes mm-hmm. so I think it's kind of fun that I technically wrote one it's not in the episode honestly but i was picturing it when i went to Uh, to just
1: need to call the 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 editor and put it there (laughs) instead of what they have
3: yeah
0: or
1: just read a whole
2: music magician's
3: music. let's write a
2: magician musical yeah
3: let's do that
2: jade would be on board
3: oh for sure
1: (laughs) Um so before we start the uh, going deeper we're gonna, we're doing a 30 second recap you and I so in 30 seconds we have to recap the whole episode um do you want me to start or do you want to do it first
3: Am I helping with this uh-huh. Okay um Yeah I you start and then I'll go okay. from there <laughs> I have uh, okay so this is not going to be 30 seconds but I have an entire page of notes of what I have in like order. I have, do don't me. So I remember, yeah, I, I don't four, care I, have... I have, basically, the musical sections memorized, and then I can't remember which other scenes are in between those sections, so I wrote those down. That's, That's why I color
2: code my, uh... Nice. Yes. Because <laughs> otherwise, I will have no idea what's happening. Yep. Okay, I are you... I have uh, my... stuff watch? Okay.
1: Tell me you me to go? Ready? So Margot is in the desert and decided to lick a lizard and now she sees Elliot and goes in a quest to get the access to realize that it's all about inner self, and she free the desert, the desert people and get the access and uh, call the guy Trump, which is weird when you think about it. And then uh, meanwhile, uh, Quentin and Julia are trying to save uh, a god from... Uh, dying from the monster, but he doesn't really care until he dies and there's a leprechaun and Alice and Katie are there and Zelda realized that she's under she's being lied.
3: Also they just found out that the monster is building the sister and are yes. thinking about how they are going to stop that from oh, happening. Oh yeah and this uh,
1: the monster is uh, is um, stealing a woman. Yes.
3: From the hospital bar <laughs> I mean that's what it does.
1: Um, well, since uh, we don't see the monster, a lot, let's talk about it. Because I found that the monster like is so vulnerable with that poor, sad woman. And it's kind of odd because he's never that vulnerable in front of like Quentin or the others. And I was wondering what triggered him to do that.
3: I mean, I think that she opened up to him first. Which mm. kind of, he he definitely follows other people's lead. Um, he doesn't, he, that, that sort of going back to that childlike feeling of the monster, that the monster is still learning what the world is at the moment. He's he's learning things that he had never encountered before when he was alive. And so, and when he was outside of Black Spire, he was in there for so long that he's, he's learning how to be a friend. He's learning the way that people respond to different things. Um, and so he makes friends with this woman at the bar um, and she kind of. She she's speaking kind of flippantly about the bad news she received that day, and I love that the monster says to her, "My friend sometimes says one thing when he means another." Is that what you're doing? Like he calls her out on it. Yeah. Um. He also calls cute Quentin his friend in that. In yeah. That
2: and uh, presents with a uh, echolalia in this scene, which we you mentioned him with the childlike behavior and echolalia is that thing. Uh, usually presented in neurodivergent children where they'll repeat word for word exactly yeah. what you say
1: like ice in the gin or something like that
3: right um keep him coming he goes keep, keep him coming to the bartender <laughs> clearly he has never ordered a drink at a bar before and is just trying to figure out what to do yeah, yeah he's like kind of saying it
2: to himself when it's like he's like one drink and she says vodka ice and he repeats vodka ice he's saying it to himself like if i'm in this situation again this is what I say.
1: Even if he doesn't like vodka or ice, that's what he's going to do. That's what you say, because he's
2: learned now that's what you say in a bar. Yep. Um, well, that's
1: what I had about vulnerability and the, the, the monster. Did you have anything else?
3: It's really short oh, his time. So there's the moment um, kind of near the end when um, skipping ahead, but while we're on that same section of the oh, episode. We're, we're going to skip. We're basically following one person timeline. Okay, perfect. So at the end, um, when she goes to leave, she touches his face to kind of, I guess, yeah. thank him for the nice conversation. And he has this, reaction to it and asks her to do it again and says you remind me of someone and that's when he starts getting really creepy and she starts freaking out um but just the fact that she reached out to touch him and i guess he had not experienced that before and you see it happening on his face like oh i'm remembering something this is making me feel a certain way Mm -hmm. um and that was an interesting interesting moment for sure watching the monster kind of cope with this humanity Especially that we don't
1: see this, like when Julian's gonna become the sister in in future episodes, she doesn't touch him.
3: Yeah, no, she does. She actually touches his hair. She pets his hair oh, yeah, a lot. Right, 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 right. But right, yeah, right. not in the same way. Not in not in the way that like a stranger has yeah. just touched him. Um, yeah. so
2: yeah. I always wonder if it was because she was so close to death that might have been part of why when she touched him. He remembered because she's closer to dying, which makes her closer to possibly gods. And last time you said his sister was when she was about to die. Yeah.
1: Oh, that's sad.
2: Also, Penny in the beginning says he's guessing the sister is the bad one. There is again zero proof that she's going to do anything bad. Well, I mean, I agree that if the if like, the idea
1: that she's the one that got the death sentence, basically. Uh, like, if you go with our human logic, it makes sense that, oh my god, she might be the more bad.
3: So she was too dangerous to imprison, that they had to yeah, get like, rid of her. My her thought
2: would be that killing her would be a means of controlling him.
0: Hmm.
2: Because if someone killed my twin brother... <laughs> That would not work. I would. I would do the same thing the monster did. Never mind. That would be a punishment
3: for you. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. So just
1: let, let's build a black spire just in case. Okay.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Well, while well,
1: we're at uh, with uh, Penny and Co., let's go with them. And um, I hated the end of the episode where Penny was like, "It's not, it's uh, it's worse. It's so much worse." And then it cut, and then it comes back to the right second of it after that. In and Quentin is like calm down tell us what it is like could you have done something better (laughs) to be like (laughs) and what I found quite impressive is how they don't panic
2: honestly this is kind of a Penny's panicking but I mean that's Penny panics that's kind of his thing But honestly, with all the shit they're having to deal with, this is just a minor, mild inconvenience. Mm.
3: It's also, I mean, Quentin in particular, um, I pay a lot of attention to his responses to things because he does definitely, he's internalizing what's going on and he's trying to deal with it, but we know that Quentin doesn't handle things in an especially healthy way. And one thing that it goes unsaid um, is that Quentin has been helping the monster build this body so Elliot can get out of the monster. The monster can get out of Elliot and Elliot can have his own body back. Mm-hmm. Quentin finding out that they're actually building a body for the sister and that they may not get the monster out of Elliot after all has got to send him on a spiral, you know? Oh my
1: God. And that will explain why, like, this whole, like, whatever that he is during the whole episode of, like, I don't care anymore.
3: Yeah. He's, he's, I mean, he's kind of just surviving at this point. He's just doing what he's got to do to keep himself and Elliot alive, and that can't have been good news. Um, they didn't really necessarily point at that, but when you look at his behavior throughout the episode, he's he's extra this mopey. He, he <laughs> he's mentally checked out. He's yes already he given has up. To be. If he doesn't, he'll become useless, kind
0: of
1: like well, we can was See saying. that at the moment katie come with alice and quentin doesn't react like two or three episodes ago uh well five episodes ago in in, in fact uh, he told alice to go away and never to see he never wanted to see her again and then she comes back and he's like whatever and i think that if quentin would have been all there he would have flipped out oh yeah and julia noticed that that's why i think she's the bridge between the two people and like Alice and go to Alice because she knows like okay so there's Penny they're never going to talk to Penny because Katie's pissed at Penny there's Quentin was just Quintening out I'm gonna go
2: well Julia has also seen Quentin at his worst and she knows what the warning signs look like
1: Mm -hmm. but we have to remember that in the same episode where Quentin told Alice to go away like, Julia gave her the finger. <laughs> like, fuck you. I don't want to see you anymore. And now she's like, oh, wow, Red, thank you. I, like, she even said, good luck in your quest. Like, she's
2: kind to Alice. And it's kind of surprising. It kind of felt like they skipped over some of that storyline in general because there, there was no reconciliation between Julia and Alice.
3: Mm-hmm. yeah i feel like that a lot on this show that there are just so many characters and so many plot lines that i just assume we're not seeing everything that there are probably things going on behind the scenes that are not as important or that they did de- they decided were not the main focus of the storyline mm-hmm. um but i think you know they're think- also
2: rewriting a lot of storylines right now
3: <laughs> that's <laughs> true There's as well to,
2: to rush and rewrite the whole end so uh
3: yeah, but when I think about um, Julia and Alice in particular, we have, at the end of season three, we have Alice who screwed up everything and Julia who picked up all the pieces and fixed them and gave up her goddess-ness to be able to do that. Um It never really occurred to me that Julia would be upset at Alice. I think Julia made the decision. Julia at that point had left her humanity and she's just doing what she thinks is best with her power. She's doing what needs to be done to help her friends in that Mm -hmm. moment. So I don't necessarily know if any of Julia's resentment was directed at Alice because they never showed us that she was upset at Alice. I think Quentin was upset enough at Alice for everyone. Yeah. Um, Well, I think that's
2: where a lot of her resentment for Alice came from in general was Quentin being upset at Alice. And when your best friend hates someone, you also hate them.
1: See, I always saw it as she's mad because of that action. The library got the siphon. And because of that, she got mind erased. And she saw Marina being mind erased. So she's like, you hurt me. You like erase who I was, and Julia is deeply anchored in who she is, and knows that Henry is not afraid to remove memory, and she even she's even mad at him for doing that. So, like, I don't think it's the action of losing her power that she's mad. It's mostly the action of you erase who I was. Yeah, Julia. You need to write more song now.
3: Uh, <laughs> I'm taking notes. I'm taking notes. But what I like
1: also is that Julia's past with the free tater, trader Beowulf is brought up again in a positive way, not in a traumatic way. That she's like, oh, I remember. And we all have that. I think the moment where like you learn something and it comes back like three years later and like, why do I know that but I do? She's had but the space the, from it. Yeah. I think it helps. And I think that it's it's like we see her healing by that because um, I don't think she would have been able in like season two or even start of season three to talk about it.
3: Right. Well, she can focus on the good things. She's also had that trip to the underworld where she got to see all of them again, which I think was probably very healing for her.
2: Well, I mean, she does spend, I think part of it is Quentin's so checked out that she realizes she has to be in the moment and she can't focus on that or they'll completely lose the plot. But she does a lot in this episode have... Looked like she's having some PTSD.
1: Well, though, issues. though, you see that Quentin is checked out. But when they, they look at NLIs, uh Quentin, the first thing he is Jules is a trickster.
3: Like, yeah. the first
1: thing is, like, I'm going to protect you. Well,
2: that's... Like like Qu- Quentin Basquin. Quentin, it, Quentin thinks more about the everyone else rather than himself. Well, especially that he wasn't there the first time.
3: Right. If he can avoid that happening again, he wants to, for sure.
1: But do you think hers just saying it's fine and moving on was the right way to say to Quentin, like, I am healing? Cause like she called up Penny on it earlier. I'm not made of glass, exactly. Um, yeah.
2: So and for Quentin, life, like, it's fine. I think that was a. I can't focus on this right now.
3: I can't mm. think about this. Right. We are, we are we have a mission right now that we're focusing on. We're not. She also mentioned like we're not summoning him, um, so it's different. And yeah.
2: And that's her trying to convince herself, too, that this is different and it's not going to be like it was.
3: Oh, yeah. Right. That pain's not going to go away, but she's going to handle it differently. Certain things are going to bother her. She can bring up good moments with her friends, um, which she did. And um, I I mean,
1: that literally helped them save
3: the world. So you go, Jules. Right. She also um, is going in knowing what could happen. I think before she was really caught off guard, she didn't. She wasn't mm. expecting things to go wrong before. And so when it did, it was more of a surprise. I think now that she's been through something like that, I think she can probably spot the warning signs a mile away. Yeah, like she's been burned, so. Or at least she thinks she'll be able to. Who knows when you're mm-hmm. in that moment. But also
1: awful. her friend knows that she had that so they're protecting her and we're going to see that through and through that like they're trying to like they know this is a dangerous place for her to be or a triggering place that she can be so they're trying to protect her as much as she as they can right um and if we follow them then they're going to find a leprechaun <laughs> why does she have such an a thick Irish accent, like did it have to be such a thick Irish accent? It
2: had to be the most obnoxious accent they could they could get someone to do.
3: Oh my gosh! I know that with vulnerability, we're kind of thinking about very serious moments, but I thought about it instantly in this moment where they have to ask her if they if if she knows where there's a leprechaun around because that had got it, it, that's offensive. Like she laughed it off initially, but the fact that they had to basically admit that. They were looking, hey, you have an Irish accent. You're wearing a green dress. Is there any chance you might know where I could find a leprechaun? Like, if <laughs> yeah, that's something. the kind of thing that gets you punched. Yes. And so, uh, well, is it Julia? Quentin kind of starts to hint that we need this. Julia is more serious about it. And then Quentin is like, I know this. this looks not great but if you could just please... Like I know this direction. seems super
2: racist.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but imagine the vulnerability it took to just ask her for this and not just to kind of snoop around and try and figure it out without asking. I mean, I wouldn't
2: long. ask her, but No, I, really I would like, like my it. nose unbroken.
3: I would get well, there and just... Do you think just... that uh, her being goofy about and uh, after
1: that laughing at their demise is kind of a reward for being asked that? Like, the escape room, she had to make it hard for them to go to an Elias... She didn't have to kill them. I think that's her, like, her way of revenge is, like, you want it hard? Fine. You want to call me a Come. Fine. Try to
0: die now.
3: <laughs> I mean, she's probably waiting around for people to show up so that she can put them in the escape room. I bet she's probably excited about the opportunity to yeah, get she to looks do like that. A kid. She's having a great time with it, So, but she wanted to make them sweat a little bit, I think. And making or making them worried that she's gonna not handle it well.
2: the whole time, all I could think was, I wonder if this is the leprechaun Henry killed in the alternate timeline in timeline twenty three. Oh. Was this the leprechaun he killed?
3: Oh man,
2: I'm saying yes. I love it. That will make sense because oh,
1: that would make sense cause Henry will have maybe try to see gods and see gods and stuff like that.
3: That's interesting to think about
1: um uh, also some uh, we were talking how Q is checked out. He doesn't even think that Julia is indestructible. he's ready to hurt himself to get the the doorknob, and like I think in in this in this time it's not to protect Julia of like, oh, we shouldn't show that like she still has uh, power like whatever it's just like whatever I'm done. And that's why I say, like, we're starting to see Quentin's suicidal tendency coming back, because I'm pretty sure Quentin would have used his head before and said, yo, "Yo, Jules, go,
2: <laughs> go do it," you know. It's not suicidal the way we typically think of it, but it's that if a car hit me while I'm crossing the street, that would also be fine.
0: Yeah, right, that
3: he does. There's no will to. There's no will for survival happening right now. It's just. It's well um, put. Yeah. like he he sees that there are knives sticking out, and he's like, "If I get cut, I get cut." And there's no like, there, most folks would be like, mm, "I don't know if I want to do this." And he's like, "Yeah, I'm just putting my arm in there, guys. It's gonna happen." You know, I, I like this. that be-
1: because I I think that's the difference between like um, seeking seeking that and not caring, caring about it. Right, um, and I like how like the moment Julia is like, "You, I'm indestructible." The le- the lepercon kind of like jump over her seat, like kind of like that's not fair. And Dude, then look at know. Julia, well, it's cheating. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Julia is uh, then taking the doorknob, and uh, she's so excited to have found Julia because uh, and Elias is intriguing them, and we know that Iris too because they're. She got what they didn't. She got a godhood without having to kill the sister. So I'm sure all of them like if Bacchus would have been
2: alive, he would have been so interested in Julia too. Or terrified of her. <laughs> Bacchus could go either way because he's he's not he's here for a good time.
1: Yeah. Uh, And then we get to uh, an Elias, who just hides under his desk.
2: What the shit? (laughs) Okay, look, same though.
1: Yeah. But the thing is, you say like your anxiety is glowing, especially in this one, and you point Quentin, and it's kind of fun, because like, oh my god, Quentin is anxious, blah blah blah. But the fact that he takes joy into that takes a certain kind of dick. And like, uh, you say like, oh, Julia, I've been interested in you. And have you noticed how Penny is like, hur, 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 hur. like, she's mine. Hur, hur, hur. But
3: <laughs> and I mean, and then two minutes later, it's like, hey, you want to come hang out in this bunker with me for all of eternity? I can help yeah. you out.
2: Yeah. Penny uh, is dying. No. But I,
1: that, that was a thing that I was wondering. Do you think, will Julia have accepted? Because we never know her answer. Basically, right. He doesn't so- get in. like answer me when I'm gonna open the door which I forgot the password dumbass do you think she would have accepted
3: I mean my worry my concern is if he's gonna be in this bunker how long is he gonna be in there and Mm -hmm. can he come back out he said it's gonna be boring in there so you know even if it means that Julia that he can help Julia how is she getting out of there and is it Mm -hmm. safe to come out of there and what kind of world is she going to find when she comes out? How does time work in there? I, I don't.
2: I don't think within... she would have gone, it, because I don't think going into anywhere alone with a trickster god is going to be a good idea. And that that's what I like about um like uh it happened with Bacchus and it happened
1: this this again that and Elias says uh him that he was mortal once. And I think that is a big vulnerability for the gods to just hint at. I don't know why they're maybe that because they're proud of it, but it doesn't seem that it's something that they do, that divulge, and yet they're doing it in this uh, in front of Julia all the time.
2: It seems almost, by the way, when he says that, it almost scares Julia, in the sense of like. You know what is she going to become with her with her goddess powers and all of that? Like,
1: I am having to, try, to a hard time to to uh, put vulnerability in the idea of him forgetting his password.
3: <laughs> I mean, he's left vulnerable because he forgot his password. Oh, that is for sure. And he but... doesn't seem too phased about it either. Um, he's laughing off the like question of mortality and oh you'll get over that eventually Julia you know but the moment you start to forget you can kind of see him panic oh yeah he's like oh wait a second I'm not invulnerable yeah especially like
1: next time we're gonna see them it's during the song the song I'm a storm coming where like it cuts to them and him trying to open the thing and then uh, the monster arriving with like their leprechaun head and killing him um, which is quite a powerful scene, if you want my opinion. Uh, and what I liked is th- at this time, they're truly scared of the monster because uh, I don't know if you noticed, but they all back up and Penny put their- his hand on both of them and he, he's- he-, he blinked them out. Uh, they don't try to save an Elias.
3: I mean, they... Also- yeah, at that point, there's nothing they can do. It's too late. But um, they're, they have now several times gotten caught by the monster doing things that are not necessarily great. They've gotten their way out of it, um, but there's also a real concern that the monster's going to kill them if he figures out that they're working against him and not with him.
0: Mm.
2: Don't feel like the monster would immediately kill them, though, because mostly the monster has killed people who have hurt his sister. That's been his main goal. Uh, Also, I like, you mentioned Penny... And I wanted to point out the the way Penny moved. He doesn't just go up and touch them and blink them out. He shields them when he does it. Aww. He puts himself in front of them when he does it. Uh, ready to
1: sacrifice himself? I mean, that's really Penny 23 right there.
2: Yeah, Penny 23 is like, I don't want to die, but I mostly don't want Julia to die.
1: Yeah. I think it's like, I don't want to live in another world without Julia. Yeah which I have problem with, but let's not go there. That's going to be for another episode. <laughs> um, and then after that, we're back in the apartment, and I really like the symbolism of this place because there's three colors shown: white, purple and black. So uh, Penny, Kitty and Alice who wear and drinks, all were purple. Julia, who is, like, gonna give hope and message of, like, optimism and I need you and, like, crown back Quentin to the present, is in white. Quentin, all in black. is mourning. Quentin's
2: been in black this whole season, though. Oh,
1: yeah. Quentin has been in mourning the whole time. But I like the the contrast that we have with the other wearing a collar that is still um powerful, but yet, like... It's not like bright bright yellow, you know it's still like we see we sense the gravity, and meanwhile, Julia is like white, you know like this is like like the ray of hope this is the the light at the end of the tunnel, basically for them and i I just like this idea of uh, them dressing a bit as how they feel, and we've been that there. there are a lot of symbols in their in their um clothing this season, so um
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but thinking about it, Julia wears white a lot when she's protecting Quentin. Like in Bad News Bears comes to mind, or Bad News Bear comes to mind. Uh, she wore her white sweater the whole time and was protecting Quentin. She, she has been wearing a lot of white since she's been a goddess. She wore white when she became a goddess, too.
1: Yeah. And I think it's a way for her to remind herself that she was one, you know? Um and also, I like you see Quentin has totally gave up at this point. But Jason's face just, he didn't, they didn't even act to have like writing in this. You could see all done and hurt and grieving he was, you know? And tired. Just. Yeah, there, uh, but the thing is, in order to reach him back and to bring him back, Julia had to be vulnerable with him. And say, I need you. Not, I need your help. Or I need you in a quest. Or we're going to do this together. Is, I need you. I need you
3: to
2: remind me who
3: I am. And yeah. what it's like to care about people so much that you'd risk your life for them. Yeah. Which is very, very specific and very pointed. Considering we well, were just talking about how Quentin's like going to jump into the knives. Yeah. Just to get well, I through. think like,
1: that's a bit of her ur- calling your- him out at the same time. Uh but yeah um I just like that they are not afraid of being vulnerable in front of each other and that's from the beginning and that's when you see that's why we always believe in Julia's and Quentin's friendship they were always like that it's not like Katie and Julia or Elliot and 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 Quentin were built I, I i named them two of my favorite chip right there i love it but um <laughs> but like their really, their relationship really Relation build uh until they become vulnerable. With Quentin and Julia say bang, they're vulnerable. The first the first time we see them, it's Julia saying, like, I'm gonna protect you, Quentin. I'm with, I'm there for you, you know? And it's like, well, whatever, mom, thank you.
3: Even when she has hurt him and he has hurt her, when they come back together for like with the prospect of going to Fillory for the first time on the horizon, mm-hmm. she's she's surprised that he's not upset at her and he says something along something to the effect of you you can't go your whole life caring about somebody and then just forget about you can't just stop giving a shit about somebody that you care about you know and and even if they do something shitty right and you you're gonna have ups and downs but they've been through so much and they've cared about each other for so long that he just is able he's able to forgive her when he sees that she's you know there's something that I, that you need to be here for. We need to experience this well, magic it's together. Weird that, But,
2: but Julia's you know. always been more vulnerable with Quentin than he's been with her.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Because, like, in the, we were talking about the very beginning, he didn't tell her that he was in the hospital. Mm-hmm. He doesn't, he's not as open with how he's feeling and what he's going through. Julia just picks up on it. <laughs>
1: thought that she was about to leave him because of james like it's it's him checking out of like i won't bother her because she's with james now i think that if he would have gone now he would have told her
2: but he also hasn't told her about his relationship with elliot or anything like that he hasn't
3: told anybody no he told his dad his dad but not really yeah and
1: and but he knew his dad was about to die I don't think, um, well, from what the uh, Hell um, explained and the writer explained is that they know about it, they understand, they remember, but they cannot phrase it. It's like something that is just... Like remembering a dream. Yeah. If you explain it, it makes absolutely no sense. Or like even the, you, there's just no word for it. But like both of them know it happened. But if they tried and like, no, like Ariel was there and Rupert was there and they found the key and they grew up together. But if they try to recall a specific event, they won't.
3: Yeah, though, makes- I mean, there are other, there's, you know, an episode in season five where Elliot finally gets to talk about it. Um, so it's totally possible. It just wasn't something the writers chose to do. do. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to give them the
1: benefit of the doubt, but you're right.
3: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or I should say, um, you know, it's possible it wasn't the script, may have gotten taken out of the script before filming, may have been shot, but not edited into the episode. Um, There's you know. a lot of things. I mean, half of fan background
1: was uh, edited out, which I'm really pissed about.
3: Yeah, that's where, I mean, that's where fan works come in. You know, there are all, so many things we wish we saw, so many things that they could have gotten to, but they didn't have the time for it. And yeah. so like we are very lucky to be in a fandom where there's so much fan fiction and that you like there's so much beautiful fan art that explores these scenes that never happened or never quite got there and so that's well, something i'm grateful even for said
1: that they didn't want to uh, flesh out all of the timelines because she wanted space for fan fiction yeah and like there's a lot of things i don't agree with sarah's choice but that i respect <laughs> like because lev love fa- uh, like fan made things I think he's our best, like, supporter in stuff we do, so
3: I love Lev. Yeah. Have you got your album? Yes. Yeah, he actually loved it. Um, I sent it to him a little early. I asked if he wanted an early copy. He said yes, and um, he said that it was gorgeous, and then he um, he said that he liked it regardless of whether or not it was magicians related, but also that it was a really interesting way to come back to the characters. oh. Um,
1: Oh so there's a lot of comeback of the books, too, so right it,
3: it, it's kind of a for anybody who hasn't heard the album. It's kind of half the show, half the books. Um, there's a lot of overlap between the two, obviously. But, yeah, I was very happy that I mean, that hadn't really happened to me. On that yeah, album. you cannot show your I album to J.K. Rowling. Cannot. I do not. I don't. I'm not interested in yeah. J.K. Rowling listening to any of my. I don't. It doesn't matter to me what she thinks at this point. But it's just very. It's it's very fulfilling to you know write something inspired by somebody's work and to have them enjoy it and say that and they enjoy it. And not only enjoy
2: it, but be just as excited about it as the fans are. Yeah. Like that's what always gets me about Lev is he is. Equally as excited about things.
1: Like, I, I, you might know, Lauren, I do, I'm writing a D book about the magician. I'm at the third edition.
3: He freaking donated. <laughs> he bought some of my Jordan Dene collection, um, Magician's oh Designs. He has the, um, he has the, uh, the one about not being totally consistent with the books, <laughs> um, I mean... which I think is great. <laughs> and, um...
2: He gave me an award one time, and that's all I got. Aww. <laughs> um.
1: Let's go back to the to the episode where let's talk about Zelda. It. If you want an episode about showing someone's vulnerability, this episode is Zelda's. Because <laughs> we also always saw her like strong and in, and like she know where she's. Like the law and blah blah blah, tack, tack, tack. Like she's really like square. And now she's like, maybe not.
2: She's having to second guess, relearn, and completely abandon everything she's known for her entire most of her life. Yeah. Like this was the place that saved her from being a hedge witch dying on the street with a child. And it's hurting people. It helped her, but it's hurting people.
3: And she shared that with Katie for the first time, which required vulnerability. Um, Katie didn't even know she was a hedge. And um, yeah, so now she has to, the fact that she's willing to actually investigate what's going on with Everett and um, not just put it out of her mind that he might be lying to her, um, that takes a lot of strength and courage. And oh, yeah,
1: you see her heart Tory, totally break when she realizes, you know, and that is something that's funny because um, we are in a, just uh, in one of the scenes like it's just while they're singing uh, here I go again and then abrupt cut of the song and we see um Alice and and Katie and like showing Zelda the proof that they're lying and I, I like this idea because like here I go uh, uh, again on, on my own like it's it's this idea of Zelda always fighting for herself like Zelda kind of like Margot in this episode
2: I have a very unpopular opinion here. Okay. Uh, but I feel... Z- like, I keep... I tried... I have, I try to feel sympathy for Zelda. And I, I can't. I don't. Because she let... She straight up let Penny die. Yeah. And Katie just forgave her for that. For zero reason. Well, she doesn't know yet. She doesn't know yet. But when she does, I'm just saying, I want to feel sympathy for zelda to be fair i'm pretty sure that
1: was ordered by everett
2: it may have been but like she was doing it for the
1: greater good and i think now sadly zelda is realizing that the greater good might not be as good and i think if zelda didn't have realized all of this and it would have happened to katie to go in the poison room she might not have saved katie
2: she might not have, but, I mean, in the letting Penny die, doing bad things for good reasons is still doing bad things. Yeah, and, and like, in Season 5, she's really trying to, like, get
1: her penance, basically, of, like... It's a bit like what happened to uh, Alice in Season 3, basically.
3: The other thing like, about Zelda that's interesting um, is that she... I think she's been at the library for so long that she kind of has lost her humanity in a sense. And this, it gets so close to home for her. And also her um, issues with her daughter also remind her that she's not just a job. She is a person. Um, Mm -hmm. And she is, her identity is not necessarily the library. And especially now finding out that she may not agree with some things that the library is doing is definitely, um, it's challenging that stance that she had
1: and I was surprised that she would trust Katie and Alice about like their data but Alice plainly tell her yeah we were trying to map the pipes like she is not hiding what they're doing and I I think that was a way for her to say like look there's nothing like there's nothing for us right now we're just telling you because we believe you don't agree with that all right, now, are you ready to talk about Margot? Margot no. in the desert!
0: Woo! Honestly,
1: w- <laughs> this is the part that made me fall in love with Lev's world. I-, I loved it, because basically, I read the book before I watched the show, uh, because my-, my husband was like, yo, you're gonna like the show. Okay, wait, I'm gonna read the book first, because I'm that kind of nerd, and then I'm gonna watch the show. <laughs> and um, I hated Janet, and I still hate her, because she's so... Janet is so different from Margot. Oh, yeah, but since, because Janet is mean on purpose and she know where to, like, hit, and I hate her for that because she's so smart.
2: Margot um, hurts to protect herself. Janet hurts because it's funny.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, this part of the, of the book is where I was like, okay, Janet is more than I thought. And also how he managed to build a world within the world. In a few chapters, not even. It's just so beautiful.
3: I also love especially in the books. I love the way that Janet and Elliot in particular tell stories because we're not always with them when they're having their adventures. You usually hear about them after the fact mm-hmm. and getting to hear them narrate their um, you know what they've been through thro- through their own lens is very fun um yes. <laughs> and they do it a little bit in the next episode where margot gets to talk about of like her she has to do the story about how she got the axes like four or five times in a row um and it reminded me of the book a little bit um
2: yeah yeah they are when they tell it they don't tell a story they give you a performance
3: yes <laughs> yep
1: so uh it starts with the thing that margot has three three thousand thirty five thousand steps
3: that's a, She's exhausted. She's completely yeah, about to pass out. Super tired. So she walked fourteen miles. Wow. Also, yep. in sand, is completely different from on the road. Uh, um, I, I not actually to sound yeah. like Anakin
2: Skywalker here, but I fucking hate sand.
3: Yeah, it, it's ten <laughs> times harder to walk in sand, especially that far. Um, it reminded yeah. me. I did. Um, I hiked uh, Mount Haleakala on Maui and a lot of it was in sand and it was it ended up being about 14 miles so now now i understand the level she's at i'm glad that we calculated (laughs) i've done that who made you do that um we went we went the wrong way it was supposed to be more like seven or eight miles and we ended up on the longer trail (laughs) me Um,
2: when i do something impressive
3: yeah but it's a crater so you once you're in it you can't you have to get back out or you're stuck there forever so we just like we had no other option but it was it was beautiful and amazing and i probably will never do it again (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yep yep i feel that <laughs> um
1: and now she asks for like she's so desperate for water that she's like I, she asked the lizard and asks for a sign and she she switched so she licks it what the shit Margot? <laughs> when you're that thirsty
3: when you gotta lick the lizard you gotta lick the lizard well, we, uh, and
1: then she's going to start to hear, don't get me wrong, which is amazing job by Hale. And what I love about it is he has this lizard coat. And the only reason he has this lizard coat, that's because Magali had found it in season one and wanted him to wear it somewhere. She didn't know when. So lizard Elliot only exists
2: because she found that coat.
3: I love that they figured out a way for it to work, man. Right?
2: I love that she picked up the code and she's like, I don't know when, but... Hale will wear I it. I felt Hale will wear it if I have to put it on him myself and drag <laughs> him out there.
3: And he won't wear very much underneath it either. Uh,
1: but that's what I'm about to say. Elliot is so sexualized in our... In our um, it's not a... Yeah, it's a trip. In our trip. In our mind. Eyes. Why is he so sexualized?
2: Well, Margot spent a long time real bad wanting to fuck Elliot. To the point she had a three-way specifically so that she could get some Elliot action, which, come on, girl, there's a lot of skinny white boys out there that look like lizards. (laughs) I get it. You like Bowie, you got a Benedict Cumberbatch thing, but there are a lot of of guys who look exactly like him. (laughs) I like that,
1: um, even, like, she see Elliot, and her, her reaction is not to run toward her. is like, something's wrong. And then she looks like, oh, shit, I'm tripping on Lizard. Like, if I miss my best friend and I saw him, I would run. Like, fuck oh,
2: it. Yeah. I'll, ask
3: why. I'll ask why later. But Even, Margo... if it's
2: a halluc- Even if I know it's a hallucination?
3: Yeah. She also says... You can't be the monster. He doesn't have the moves. Um so <laughs> her first reaction might have been like, Oh, the monster's here. So maybe that could be why she's a little bit reserved. Oh, about it. I like that. Also, she's exhausted, so she may not have the energy to run up the mountain. Yeah. And hug him, you know?
1: And yet, like even when she tried to reach him, she's unable, like she falls and she and Lizard Elliot literally had to appear next to her for her to be whatever.
3: And he's dancing around her, like she keeps trying to like grab onto him and he's just like, Woohoo! I'm so glad that the audience at home can't see my weird dance move happening.
1: <laughs> also, and then she basically, uh, Lizard Elliot will bring her to the tribe. And I really like the tribe because I'm going to go back in, in clothing, but Margot is wearing a lot of white and sandy uh, clothes. Meanwhile, uh, the tribe wear red, blue, and yellow. And like deep deep red deep, deep yellow ding ding and in their primary color this idea of like primal the only person that wears a secondary color is the head woman aunt lydia
0: hmm.
1: so like even our outfit clash with the clan which means like okay something's wrong and the the tribe the the, the tribe guy um What's his name? He's the
3: foremost in the book, right? The foremost, thank you. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they I named had him the on
1: the Ford show. Master and it wasn't that.
3: It's almost there. <laughs> but, like, the
1: foremost wear blacks with this color, while Margot is all white. So there's this, like, already this duality between them, like, okay, they will clash. But uh, going back to vulnerability, what I love is... She waits to know that they won't kill her for her to fight. Because mm. they're like, uh, uh, like, oh, who's going to kill her? Blah, blah, blah. No enemy or other enemy or friend. Huh, about that. And then she falls. So I think she wa-
3: waited. Like, Margot is like. Oh, Mar- Margot would have fought until she died. Yeah, she needed to know she was safe before she passed out. Which yeah. you should always do. Yes, I agree. <laughs> but I like how, first of all, it's an
2: honor to it would be an honor to kill her because the guy's strap is like who would ha- will have the honor of killing the outsider or whatever and second it's the the woman who saves her yeah it's like look at her wrist
3: that's true there's also something i never noticed before Um, this was, on this first watch i actually caught it the first thing that the tribe says to her when they come over to her is woman Hmm. They, they like spit it under their breath. Like, you can tell there's already something going on here. Oh, like the, for the beginning.
1: Right. And like, when Margot wakes up, the first thing she sees is not the foremost, is not uh, Aunt Lydia. I don't know her name, so I'm going to call her Aunt Lydia. Uh, it's the bottles. And she's like, I've seen this, something's wrong. And I I really like Margot because we all, always say like, "Oh yes, she's powerful, she's strong, she comes strong," but we rarely see how smart she is. Like, she, and let the other be smart for her, basically, so she can be stronger, so she can be bigger than herself, so she can be hiking Margot. But now she has to be hiking Margot and smart and strong and everything. That's why she breaks that.
2: I feel like people don't believe she's smart even when she proves it to them again and again and again. I think she's got pretty girl syndrome. Yeah.
1: You're well, pretty, that's well, all you can be. Well, that's what—that's
3: one of the lines she says. Yeah. You can yeah. be
1: pretty and smart. You and... can be pretty
3: or smart. Um, or what was the third one? But you can't be all three. Try to be yeah, all yeah. three in the world. The world tells you you can't. Um, yeah. Who well, the fuck does she think she is?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and Right after that, they explained the the ball, We see uh, a fight between two person and the tribe, and and this was only made like for the script for Margot to see that the axe works, because Margot needed to see it for it to believe it. I think she's that kind of person, and I don't think she would have like fully bought the axes,
2: like she's she would have take anything at face value.
1: Well, yeah, but the thing is, she went because Josh told her, and she trusts Josh, but she want to see it first. And I think the author, well, the writer gave her this opportunity.
2: Right. But she's not going to believe something just because you tell her she's got to.
1: But she she doesn't yeah. believe, like, she de- she even doesn't believe that, like, it only attacked men and stuff. She's like, yeah, okay. Like. She can smell some things wrong.
3: Well, there's also a lot at stake here. This is this may be the only thing that can save Elliot. It's down to her. She It's it's not only her job to track down these axes, but also verify that they will actually work and that they won't kill Elliot in the process. Mm-hmm. Um, and also they're asking her to do a ridiculous, impossible task to make it work. She's not just going to do that if there's any chance that that's not you know, and it turns out that that wasn't what she needed to do to get the axes At after all.
2: Yeah. Martha has been under a lot of pressure for a long time, and this is what finally caused her to break. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, that's that's interesting, because now after that, we, uh, like, she go and basically know that she has to sleep with the foremost to get the axe, basically. That's what she thinks. And um, she likes to see Elliot, of course, and they start singing, and then No, before that is Josh. Josh arrives, and he said, "Oh, you're gonna uh, leave me? uh, Try to give that guy like entropy in the planet with two moons." Um, But for her, it's not even a problem. Like she already had that figured out by saying, "Like, oh no, I'm just gonna say I am in my period." I'm and I like that. Like her subconscious like try to like warn her that she has like entropy, and she's like, "Yo, bitch." I already have like, she's telling herself I already have a solution.
3: Right. It's. I mean, it's also a nice. Sometimes we wonder if the show forgot things that they had introduced in previous episodes. So just a mm-hmm. little reminder that oh yeah, we're putting we're gonna have Margot sleep with somebody, but we're acknowledging the fact that yes, she does have lycanthropy and she's going to pass it. Um, well, but so that's at nice this time, she
1: find a solution not to. Right. But
2: what, what what's weird is that. Josh is concerned about the lycanthropy, yes, but not the cheating. Because it's
1: it's Josh in her mind, and I think at this moment, lycanthropy is bigger than that. And she still have like she still haven't sorted her feeling about Josh.
2: Yeah, and I understand it's Josh in her mind, but it just seems like something her subconscious might want to. Um...
1: Well, just having Josh there shows so much
2: vulnerability of Margot's.
3: Right. Yeah, that's well, yep. why I
2: expected him to mention something about
3: right that they were together. Um, that I mean, later she calls him her guilt, so it would make sense that he would guilt her about that too. For sure. Does it, yeah, does I it ever come up later? There's
1: a guilt. That's the thing. I don't think he's her guilt.
2: I, I think wrote down true. that he was her uh, gentleness or self love. Or I'm worth something. Yeah, he's reminding her, like,
1: appearing to remind her. Like, I think she will, and that's something I wanted to talk about when she's going to call everyone something. I don't think that's what they are. No. I think mm. that's just her, like, dismissing. It's her read on the situation, not necessarily exactly. what's actually but happening. Because, um, like, Elliot being her, uh, her subconscious makes total sense. But the second person that come is Josh. That means a lot. On Margot a lot. And then um, the moment, like, they, they, uh, Elliot co- start to talk about uh, that she gave an end job to someone, she said, roll close on memory line. Like, she even tell herself, stop remembering, stop remembering, stop. Like, like.
2: And this comes up later, I... like, sometimes you can't shut that up. Like, when right. you start singing Beautiful Dreamer, like.
1: And then they start to sing because the memory line is not closed. And Finn appears, and you can see her like, what the shit? But I (laughs) love that Finn arrive at the sentence, here I go again.
2: I like that Margot's reaction, because when Finn was like, I'm glad you invited me, I invited her. (laughs) Like, she did not expect her subconscious to present as Finn. Yep. I
1: don't know, for me, Finn being in Margot's mind... Shows our uh, not our vulnerability towards fan, but that for the first time she was ready to love a woman. To
2: be, I don't think it was the first time she loved a woman.
1: But in, be emotionally close. Like yes. she let fen she's she let Finn saw her vulnerability earlier saying Fenn I cannot cry because if I do I'll break down.
2: I think Finn has taught her how to be vulnerable because
1: Finn allows herself. Yeah, Finn arriving at Here I Go Again might be, this time might be I used to be like Finn, believing that things could go good again. And then I didn't, because
2: I'm Margot. Um, I like. then they start. Oh, sorry. sorry. I was just uh, thinking of, uh, Finn's outfit because she's wearing a combination of Earth clothes yes. and fillery clothes. And
1: that honestly,
2: that like
1: that dress cape thingy is my favorite outfit that she wears. I love 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 that purple thing. Uh, but let's talk about why. What does it mean then, of Finn being a Fillorian, a f- Earth person?
2: Because we never see her in that duality. I think Margot sees a lot of herself in Finn in general. um, Especially with Finn having to step up and and fill Margot's role while Margot's away. Mm. And having to kind of step into this position of power that she's never expected to have and never asked for.
1: Yeah, Margot, when they were saying, like, I want to be High Queen, not knowing what it meant. Yeah. But yeah, I think, yeah, I think, um, Margot respects a lot, Finn, but doesn't know how to.
2: <laughs> Margot is bad at uh respecting people in general, but like, yeah, and um, she the... wants to see Finn as the innocent person that she first met,
3: mm-hmm. but she also may. Not. The costume thing may also be, uh, um, because the, like a reminder again, that these are not the actual people, they're they're Margot's picture of who they are. And so it may just be Margot's lack of understanding of Fallorian outfits. It may just be like, oh, the, in her head, this is what Fallorians wear. Um, but, yeah, but
1: Ben is the only one that is weirdly like dressed because uh, Katie, it's an outfit that we saw before. Plan Josh B. Is an outfit that we saw. It's uh, Katie's outfit from Plan B. Exactly, and uh, and uh, Josh, uh, Josh, and Fog, well, is wearing a suit. So the only two that are oddly dressed are Finn and Elliot.
2: And it really makes them stand out against everyone else. I mean, I'm okay with that, honestly. I'm shipping them.
1: Okay, um, I love also that uh, like they start to sing "Here I Go Again" on my own, blah blah blah. And Josh is singing that while she's basically taking control on the bed. Like, she flipped the guy and even refused that he'd help her taking hold of her clothes. I love like, that.
3: She smacked like, his hand out of the way.
1: <laughs> like, shut up. You're going to help me pull it out, but I can undress myself. Thank you very much.
2: <laughs> First of all, the close thing is why we need to finally get uh, Magali on the show. Second, I like how Margot always uses sex as power. Yes. She did it with uh, Prince S. The
1: only person she didn't do it for power uh, was Josh.
3: And uh, Quentin and Elliot, the threesome. Well, that was that was vulnerable. That was her being specifically vulnerable. to
2: sleep with Elliot.
1: And also, she was she was just vulnerable toward Quentin that time. Right, she was and upset. She was like, I don't want to be vulnerable. I hate that. I'm gonna fuck a guy. You know, like this
3: is her kind of
1: defense mechanism. I think.
3: Right, they, but they had a connection. They made a connection in that scene beforehand. That I always feel like she made that connection
2: specifically to get him to sleep with her, but it could
3: just be. Oh that. no, I never saw it. I, for me, it's like I have this connection. Oh shit, I have a connection. They also just got their emotions back, so they probably they were heightened. Um, and I think that that probably like affected things. You know, oh, I
2: read that scene way different. <laughs>
3: that's okay well, that's
1: that's the beauty of this art is you can read it as you want um and yeah after this moment uh there's like this abrupt cut that we were talking about and uh, uh, that's like the song is like and we go back on earth and i was like whoa that that's okay that was boring <laughs> that was kind of weird that they decided to cut that because i think it's the only time that they do that with a song
2: at some point, and again, this may be an unpopular opinion, which I say before, say anything negative. At some point, this episode did feel like it was a musical out of obligation, rather than wanting to be a musical, if that makes sense.
3: Hmm. hmm. I mean, I kind of looked at, I looked at actually, right before I came in here, Um, I looked up who the original artists are from the songs and what year they came out and it initially is pitched to us as this 80s mixtape that josh made for margot um, yeah. but beautiful dreamer is from the 1800s and oh, storm coming normal. came out in 2006 um so that only the first couple were from the 80s Well, and then "Beautiful kind of Dreamer" is our
1: dad. it's a lullaby from her dad
3: right but it wasn't like an 80s song Yes, and no. what is the other one that two thousand eight is the... uh, Storm Cummings by Narsals Barkley released in two thousand six.
1: Wow, so it's really just here I go again. That is,
3: uh, and uh, Don't Get Me Wrong is from nineteen eighty six. Okay, so it's the first okay. two. The, yeah, here I go again, and Don't Get Me Wrong are the only from. So the only basically, ones the it's the two that she kind of bring within her,
1: like because the lullaby she push away. She's like, I can't this fucking lullaby, and I have a, l- a long thing about the lullaby. But I think that's, like, the first one is, like, Elliot coming back and, like, woo, I'm sexy Elliot, look, I'm a lizard.
2: Everyone <laughs> <As> <laughs> does, yes. <laughs>
1: Sorry, but, like, if someone just arrived to this uh, this podcast and that's the audio that they heard, what? Um, and then after that is the, okay, I have to sleep with a guy and I always go with that song. So those are two songs that, like, not that she knows, but I think that's the 80s song that we were talking about.
3: Yeah. I just the, um, like the reason why I brought that up was just like it felt like they had an intention going in that this was going to be a certain theme and then they abandoned it at some point, um, yeah. whether it was the, um, not getting the rights for the songs, they've talked about that publicly that they wanted certain songs and t- couldn't always get the ability to do them. Yeah, they um, said, uh, the, the description is we couldn't get Bowie. Yeah, well, they also they wanted to do Prince for season five, right? And they couldn't do that either. <laughs> nice. um, so I don't. Yeah, I've seen it's tricky when you're, there's music licensing yeah. involved for sure. But yeah, yeah I'm wondering, like you, like you were saying, was that what this was kind of out of obligation and not actually intentional? Um, it seems yeah, there are some things that are. Oh, that yeah, totally. I, I'm cu- I'm curious about the thought that went into it and why they made it the way that it was for sure.
1: Um and then there is no music when we come back to Margot, it's the morning after and she'll kind of say like what a convenient lie that the the, the, the acts are only for you, yeah right? And he tell um and say what are you a witch? And she says a magician. Why does she correct him? It's rare that we see her taking pride in the fact that she's a magician.
2: I think it's because he doesn't want her to be. It gives her power over him, in a way. Mm.
1: It's a way to, like, I'm not just a woman.
3: Right, there's definitely, like, this, you think I'm weak because I'm a woman, however, you are incorrect. <laughs> um, like, uh, like she has this power that they don't, and yeah, she, you know, kind of shoves it in their face at the end there, just just because she can, and because they earned it. To be quite honest, yeah. they they were not. I just got so anybody excited very when well. they, they talk about the black sand, because I was
1: like, yes, yes, it's like in the book, yes. <laughs> like, because for me, it was such a it, honestly, like it's a clever way for the for Moth and the tribe to get rid of them,
2: is to give this, them this impossible, impossible task. task. Um, also, though, I, I find it interesting too that he called her a witch. Um, just historically speaking, with with how women and demons and witches have been in relations, yeah, in society, uh, with like Adam's first wife, Lilith, and uh, institutionalized possession.
1: Well, especially that it was used against women um, in true history. And we, if we know something, is this tribe is against women. Um, and what I like is, like, okay, Margot got her her quest back that she needs to get the grains, and that's when the song goes back, is when she leaves the tent and goes to get the the the, the thing. And then we see Katie. That is, let's be real, only there because Jade
2: is like. Pirate. I love <laughs> that Katie showed up because Margot's like, well, I can't sing this. Which leads me to believe that Katie spent her time in the physical kid's cottage. You know that one kid in your dorm that's just singing in their room all the <laughs> she time? She sings in her the shower, let be in real. In the shower, in her room, in the kitchen, and you're like, oh my god, I have a test in three hours. Can you kind of <laughs> shut the fuck up, Karen? Oh, I love her her inadequacy. But also, I don't know if you noticed, but
1: she had, yes, she has the plan B, which is the first time the team came together to do something. Uh, But also she wears uh, this camo. um, The Forever 21
2: camo jacket.
1: Exactly. The Forever 21 camo jacket, (laughs) which is like this kind of like uh, this fighter in her. I think this, like, we know Katie is a she's a fighter. She will punch Alice in the face and then forgive her.
2: Margot has seen Katie punch at least four people for no reason.
1: So I think there's also that, um, that this, if it's not how she feels, is like she's, she's bringing something in someone that she likes. I want to be strong like Katie. I want to have that oomph like Katie.
2: Oh, she does uh, refer to Katie as her own inadequacies, which I initially thought was about singing. But now that you brought that up, just being a fighter, because Margot's not going to throw a punch. Yeah. That's not how she fights. She mean girl fights.
1: (laughs) Uh, Which brings me to Henry.
2: I I don't
1: believe that he's there for wisdom. Let's be real. I agree he does
2: whiskey, not wisdom. I say this every single time Henry shows up and says words, Henry is their dad.
1: But we, like, she has her daddy issue fixed. This is um, a different daddy issue.
2: People can have more than Margot. People can have multiple daddy issues. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just trying how to
1: see that, to sh- see that this is a vulner- vulnerability of hers. Because she even dismissed him like, okay, whatever, you know, but he's there for more than a reason than like just the joke of you do whiskey and not wisdom.
2: I think he was being more honest than she was. I think her subconscious did associate him with wisdom in that moment.
0: Mm.
2: And she's so used a bit like a,
1: a memory clothes on road uh, clothes on memory lines, she tried to push it away. Yeah, yeah,
2: you're not my real dad.
1: <laughs> but also, I love how like the moment uh, Katie Bells like uh, bells that song and she's like, show off. I just I, I just love it. But I don't know if you saw when they sing and she's digging, they're circling her. and it's like it has this point of view that is really vulture like. And basically it's all her vulnerability circling like around her, like a vulture. And we know that she's gonna break because of that. So it's this idea like like sure. within herself, there's something preying on her.
2: Perfect visualization of an anxiety attack. <laughs> All of my anxiety circling around me, just me and my anxieties digging in the dirt.
3: Your anxieties are glowing, <laughs> <laughs> especially this one.
1: <laughs> i mean if
3: my anxiety looks like britney Curran i'm fine
1: uh <laughs> and and then after that we go to her where there's a lot of close-up on her face on her hand and this is like in cinema that's 101 how to get in someone interiority is to do close-up the more close your yeah. face and your body is on the camera the more you're seeing their interiority that's why um that's why it's it's beautiful that it starts and she does it and it's all all around her. And then Elliot arrived with Beautiful Dreamer. So we know that this song, and she doesn't wear the iPod, this song just popped up. Well,
2: in it's, her a, some it's a comfort song for her. Mm-hmm.
1: And, I, and and she's like, no,
2: I don't want that. And Elliot continued to sing. That was, I wrote down, you can't shut up your subconscious sometimes.
1: Yep. And you know that song that you cannot stop singing? That's it.
2: Oh my god. But it's not the whole song. It's just like one line of a song. <laughs> <laughs> on repeat. So true. For hours. And you're like, I get why Penny hates being able to read minds. <laughs> I'm not singing Taylor Swift in my head. I'm just doing one line on repeat for three days. <laughs> um, And
1: then after that, we... The next time we see Margot, she say, I can't. I can't do it anymore. That goddamn lullaby. What broke Margot wasn't her vulnerabilities. It was the lullaby. And that is something I never picked on before.
2: It was rem- remembering. It
1: was her dad. I always thought like that the, the, the constant reminder of everyone was the thing that broke her. But she broke when she started to hear the song. Because she thought about her dad.
3: It's also interesting, like, when, you, when you're when con- you continually bottling things up and something, like, you get to the point where you can't do it any longer. The, I usually find, at least with me, the thing that I blame the upset on is never the thing that's really causing the problem. Like, she's upset because this is a hard task, and instead what comes up is all of this buried down stuff from her past. Um
2: I, I call that it's not about the milk.
3: Yes.
1: Yeah, I'll um. My husband and I say you never break up over um, dirty dishes. If your couple broke up because of dirty dishes, there was a much deeper problem. So uh, you think that like the the lullaby might just have been like the the drop that just flood the vase.
3: Yes, but also, I mean, they're they're parallel, right? So she's living, like, in the current moment, the problem at hand is that she's been told not to be emotional. She's been told not to break down, because if she does, these demons will find her and kill her. And so, of Ooh. course, what happens when she gets really exhausted and bored of the task and frustrated at the fact that this is impossible and she may not be able to bring back Elliot because she may not be able to continue it? It's her dad who stopped... Caring about her as soon as she got loud, as soon as she had the audacity to grow up, um and so her both this tribe and her dad are telling her, "Don't break down, don't get upset, don't be noisy." Be a perfect good girl. That's right. You know. They're both telling her both the both her. She's got this hanging over her from her childhood as well as the, in the current situation, and that it mm-hmm. makes total sense to me that they would both. Boil over at the same time.
1: No, that makes total sense. And I love that she said like he was the one that I uh, that told me I I was I could be anything. And what Elliot um says back is, yeah, but you created an armor for that. That all that shiny glossy armor. I, I never remember that long sentence, but it's a direct quote from the book. Right. And I was so happy
3: when it happened. Um. <laughs> then why does it hurt so much? Yeah. Is the, the next thing. is Ugh. If I've got all that hard glossy armor, why does it hurt so much?
1: Yep. And that's when she starts to say, I'm the king of this, I'm the king of that. I'm but the king of
2: manipulation, crazy. pointless rage, king of I can't do this, king of he was right, king of I fuck up everything.
3: They're in my song too. <laughs> <laughs> Um
1: it's funny because I was listening to your album while waiting for the podcast to start and my husband was like, oh, Hey, that's good music, what is it? And I'm like, That's Lauren's album. Can I have it? <laughs> so I linked you to your Spotify because he didn't know like he never heard the album. Uh so you have a new fan.
0: Congratulations.
3: <laughs> Does the album go well? Yeah, it's doing well. I like with anything I release. I'm really excited to promote it when it first comes out, and then I feel like I can't keep reminding people about it. But there are definitely people who still don't know it exists. So I, I definitely have hit a wall as far as promoting it goes. But it's every once in a while I hear nice things about it from other people, and it reminds me that I made something cool and people like it, and that's that's really nice. <laughs> um. So yeah, basically, Margot say all those things that she's the
1: king of, and it's like this beautiful like introspection but they're all she said thing that she knows about herself
2: i know what i am not what i pretend to be
1: but that's the thing and she even expect Elliot to say no you're not that like she know that rhetoric right and the thing she breaks down is the thing she never wanted to admit herself is that that's a false um truth that she told herself but she said I'm not a good friend because I cannot fill the bag full of black grain and because of that you're still in the monster. So it's my fault is you're still the monster because I'm not a good friend. That's basically how our twisted mind like she put Elliot like she became guilt feeling guilty about Elliot um being the monster it's like because of her because i cannot fill this fucking bag and being your friend was the one thing i was good at and now i cannot even do that because i cannot put the bag. this is like such a spiral and if you calm her down and say margot the 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 black grain and elliot being the monster are two things i think she would have like punched you in the face and then you agree
3: (laughs) she's got a lot of pressure on her like we were saying she's you know she's expected to be doing a lot of things right now and she's putting all lot of that on herself um you know so it's it makes sense that she would she would break and yeah again it's it's not the milk it's every, yeah. this is the first
2: time she's even let herself feel since who knows how long
3: Right. That's and what I was wondering. Ben called like, her out on it. Um, and she says, you know, if I if I start crying, I'll never stop. I'll be useless forever, you know?
2: And maybe
1: that's what that was a a door that Fen needed to open for her to be able to do that quest. This idea like you need to be vulnerable, girl.
3: Well, if she hadn't broke down, da- broken down, the demon would not have appeared and helped her. Exactly. <laughs> if you break down, demons will
2: help you.
1: <laughs> Speaking of the the break da- the, the the demon, what I love the first thing she asked the demon, like she saw the demon appear, and her her first is not, what are you? What is this? Why am I seeing you? Is why are you hurting other people, other women?
3: You look like a woman. Why are you hurting other women? Yeah. And that's
1: what I love about Margot is
3: when the the writer don't try too hard. Yes. Yes.
1: And this is another moment of the first question is not about her. It's not about Elliot, that she just had a breakdown because she feels she cannot save him. It's about the try that she doesn't give a fuck about. She knew something was wrong, and she's like, probably it's her king brain at this point, but there's a wrong there, and I need to write it.
2: Also, I'm glad you said that, about when the writers don't try too hard, because there are some moments where Margot will say things that are meant to be feminist, are yeah, just but transphobic. Said, but she says it in front of people
1: now she's alone in the desert with an hallucination and a demon that she can only see with one eye it's kind of weird <laughs> she
2: doesn't have to perform but it shows what she really does care about and she actually does care about the things that she says even though she may say them aggressively and come off way too strong sometimes it's clearly something she does actively care about. Um, then
1: she goes back to the the tent, and they're like, "Ha ha ha! Um, you're 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 a decent whore." And Elliot just muttering, "That's a uh, bit." Uh-oh. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> like that's the anger. Like it was Margot being like at peace with herself, and she was like, "Oh, oh, you want me angry? Okay, let's do this." No, I think she's just happy to be angry for a good reason. Because she she had been angry. She said, I'm angry all the time. I mean, I'm angry at myself. She's like, she's been crying. She, she had all this anger that she got out. And now that she's come back on a clean slate. And i say that with quotation mark, she can be angry, but
2: oh, oh, you to put the wrong person to call her whore. Elliot has definitely seen someone call Margot a whore before. Mm -hmm. and it did not work out well for them
3: um i i mean the other thing too is that for we were talking about how vulnerability was seen as a weakness up until now she's warned not to be vulnerable she's warned not to be emotional she her father was telling her not to be emotional and as soon as she does it it gives her the power to complete the task. And also like, so now she's empowered by that anger. The anger has strengthened her, not weakened her. Um, and that's, I mean, that's definitely, you know, as metaphors go, um, this entire episode about how these women are being repressed and these women are being told not to be vulnerable because that's their weakness and not to be emotional. Um, she has learned that it's, it's the, it's the opposite is that your emotion makes you strong. Your anger makes you strong. And so now she's turned that back on the exact same people who tried to oppress her. Um, and so yeah that's it's definitely it's it's all coming full circle at the time oh yeah, totally, yeah, so
1: uh Margot basically uh, reveals that um their protectors the the demons are protectors, and I love that when this happened, we don't hear what the demons said, and we never hear the demon's voice, and I like this idea that um it's for Margot to hear. Even like the, the 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 viewers don't get to hear that for Margot.
3: It's something. There's something internal about it. Like if it's if you if you're the only one who can hear it, if it's coming from inside your head, that's like there's it's like the the voice in your head has power. I don't know something like that. There's I don't know if I'm wording that in the way that I mean to, but there's something also, about it. You know,
2: all of this has been happening in Margot's head. Seeing Elliot and Josh and Finn and everybody, everything's been happening inside of her head but we so see now, them and
1: we hear them yeah
2: also. but that thing so is real i think part of it is yeah it's not part of margo it's something outside of her
3: just because if something's happening in your head doesn't mean it's not real yeah you quoted harry potter I, got it. I i've made my quota
1: for the yes. day <laughs> yes it's one of my favorite uh, lines i'm fine with it um <laughs> Have you noticed that the demon have those long red
3: cloth? Hello, the per- like having your period. That was the first thing I thought. <laughs> it also looks like it looks like either well, it looks a little bit like red smoke when they're under under the sands too. Yeah. But there's definitely they're definitely making a a connection there. Oh, like you cannot have it less flowy than that, you know.
1: <laughs> and then uh, Margot is like, uh, "I'm a fucking magician." And then the song starts and we rarely see Margot use her magic and when she does it it's always like Mwah, chef kiss uh, like it's always on purpose and it has a statement and this uh, this like the, the, the song storm coming and her liberating the demons not attacking the, the dudes but liberating the demon I think again is this this perfectness of like Mar- this Margot's moment of her growing into like okay I'm bigger than myself now
2: I think it also shows like a huge difference between Elliot and Margot because Elliot uses magic to get the TV remote from across the room when Margot does anything including magic, it's specific mm-hmm. She doesn't do anything without a direct reason.
1: And I don't know if you noticed, know but um, the second person who comes who comes singing after Elliot is Katie. Again, bringing up that feistiness that, like, I'm gonna punch you. I'm gonna punch
3: you in, yes. in the songs. You know, Her inner <laughs> Katie is helping out. Exactly.
2: That <laughs> and Margo Mar- Mar- didn't just use magic. Margot used battle magic. Yes. And Katie taught them battle magic, Oh my god,
1: I forgot that Katie taught them that spell. And yeah, and after, uh, when we see Margot coming out of the tent, it's just Finn and Henry, which we've seen in our mind. And then we go back to, and Elias trying to punch his, his coat, and then when we go back to Margot, this time, Julia, Alice, Qu- and Quentin are there. So now she brought them too like she's she's kind of like the more confidence she builds in herself and she's like i can do this she brings the people she loves with her
2: she's letting herself have friends yeah and be vulnerable enough and be strong vulnerable enough to be strong
1: i i I had this uh later but she's gonna leave the tribe deal with the the dictator and she leaves them like that and she like she walks away basically while they're dealing with them and they did the same thing in the mm-hmm. other island she ex- exposed the
2: priest and left but he didn't deal with the aftermath
1: well it's not his place to do it it's the tribe's place like she know her and uh, when even when she she shows uh, the 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 woman how to get rid of the demon and explaining their protectors they're going to take care of you she smiles and the smile she have is so genuine and proud. It's not a smile Margo have.
2: She was able to help. Which is all she's been trying to do for Fillory, for Elliot, for mm. everyone. And she hasn't been able to help Elliot or anything. So this, this was a win for Margot. Yeah. Finally.
1: And then the lullaby come back, and she looks okay. The, the 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 dragon is not there, and this time it's not this like, make it remove it or make it go away. She just she smiles and accepts it, and I think that's the moment we see Margot's growth. And she even like at the end, she she sings it out loud. She's singing it, yeah, at the end.
2: What broke her brings her comfort.
1: Like like she brought it she 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 made it her, her her struggle became her power, basically, yeah, and that's uh that's so Margot <laughs> Jasper, you read the book, right yes, it's just in the book, Janet gets all the grain, she does it then goes back to the tribe, said they lied to her and they just wanted to fuck her. She kills them all. She created the axe and kills them all. Basically, that's how the axe comes in life. Right. And doesn't she leave the foremost to die in like a really brutal way? Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Basically, she let him die out of his blood. And this one, she's not the one that gets the sand, it's the demons. And she take the, she doesn't create the, the axes. How do we feel about that?
3: i do like a call out to ice axes um i think josh called them ice axes and then he had some kind of he had some kind of throwaway line about how like i don't know if they're actually ice but in the books they're actually ice yeah that's what i okay that's just to make them canon (laughs) yeah i don't know i it's clearly that it's clear that these were done like these are different reasons um and like our margot also becoming high king the show Margot has totally different things that she's trying to do, even though she's not hiking anymore. um, And she's been exiled. She, she wanted to, she wanted to do something good for Fillory. And I think that, you know, killing off the, the, all these people that she had just tried to help would not like, she wasn't trying to help them in the books. She had a different kind of journey. Yeah. Man, I love her.
1: Okay. Um, (laughs) uh, Well, that's what I had about the episode. Uh, did you have something more to say about the vulnerability in this amazing episode? I feel like we pretty much covered it. Um, and before we finish, let's do a Lectio Divina. If you remember, Lauren, a Lectio Divina is uh, a, a way to read a text in four steps to try to uh, learn and grow and be... And and do like Margot and, and learn about herself and be a better person... Um, what I do is I scroll randomly around the text. You tell me to stop and we're going to take the first line I get. So tell me when to stop. Stop. We were hoping that you could help us find somebody. We were hoping that you could help us find somebody. So first step of the Lecture Divina is what is literally happening. Can you remember? It's okay if you don't. Was this when they were looking for Angus with the leprechaun? Yes, is uh, the other leprechaun? Uh, we were hoping that you could find a good because I, I read that and I was like, what is that? <laughs> I have to read it. Good on you. Allegories. So, what does it makes you think? Like a story makes you think. So I'm gonna really read the sentence. What we were hoping that you could help us find somebody. Okay, I know it's weird, but it makes me think of Gandalf going to, uh, to Bilbo. So that, that's because they needed like they needed a thief and they were waiting on gandalf's signal to say i found a thief to to start the quest." basically the, the dwarves so they were basically like we were thinking that you could help us find somebody like the dwarf asking gandalf to find help to continue their quest and it's basically what they're saying like hey we need your help to continue the quest so
2: oh i was saying when mary and pippin were looking for Frodo and Sam and riding on the orcs backs. Okay, uh third
1: step is what does it remind you in your life? We were hoping that you could help us find somebody.
3: I mean, I don't really spend a lot of time with humans in a physical yeah. space right now, so I don't really look for people at the moment. Um I, I'm
2: gonna be honest I think of when I hear my my cat meowing from a different room but I can't tell which room she's in <laughs> so I just walk around the house going what no I know can you can you say it again <laughs> it's funny it's just it. it's not somebody but
1: something I'm good at not seeing things and ask my husband and it's right in front of me oh yeah same and I at least, and at first I was like, "Oh, I'm proud." And now I just became a joke, you know, like, "Oh, I did a Catherine again," you know. Uh, yeah, some, sometimes you need someone to find something that is literally right in front of you,
2: or meow louder, <laughs> <laughs> or just come to where I'm at.
1: Yeah, because we were hoping you could help us find somebody. Yeah, that's what I have. Yeah. Um, so what do you feel callful? for what, what does it remind you of like
3: uh, something that we could this is a hard one y'all it makes me want to like be around people again so that I can like yeah. look for someone to be at a convention and trying to find someone that I am supposed to meet up with I miss those days yeah
1: I miss the I know I'm gonna see like especially internet friends like I'm sure we're like I'm gonna when we are gonna get to meet I'm gonna be like who. And I'm gonna be so nervous. And said, "Well, like, you
3: literally had two podcasts with her. Yeah, but they were not live. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's different when you're when you're right in front of somebody, for sure. Or especially if they sneak up on you. That's that's yeah. I can usually prepare for when, when I'm excited to meet people. But if they sneak up on me, I'm in trouble. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um. Yeah, I like that. This uh, let's try to bring back that joy of uh, when we can m- see each other again. too be happy so to see Japan.
2: everyone wear your fucking masks so we can see each other again yeah that's not a problem in canada because it's mandatory
1: it is yeah, here too but people here. don't really
3: <laughs> yeah
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah um so before we uh before we end let's go with the flower in the vase which is the thumbs up and the thumbs down. Who deserve a flower? Who deserve a vase? That's an expression my grandma said. Don't give the flower in the vase, which is don't give a back-ended compliment, such as, um, you're smart for a woman. Or just looking at Margot arriving and say, woman. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's an observation. Uh, so who deserves the vase? Who has your thumb down in this episode? The foremost. Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah. Lydia. Yeah. I think she was worse in the foremost because, like... I mean, I can get a man wanting to be in power and wanting to push down women. I can't get a woman trying to push down other women. Yeah, because you realize they don't really respect you.
1: No, it's because she has. she's in a place of privilege. She's the one yeah. with the power, so she wants to keep it. Um, I'm gonna give my vase to. An Elias. To think that more like to not to take for granted immortality, but to take literally, like risk their life to come see him, and he still he's so doesn't care about it. Yeah, and yet he was immortal before. So, I you, wonder dude. if he's trying to forget
2: that he was immortal.
1: I think he's trying to have like the armor Margot has, but he can he's not Margot, you know fit you a Margot. I mean, who can be Margot, but Margot. Let's be real here. Um, and let's who deserve the flowers. Let's say Margot deserves a whole bouquet, so let's not give it to Margot cause... <laughs> Margot <laughs> um, gets
2: her own separate flowers
1: exactly deserve a bouquet. so who's a who other characters should we give a flower today?
2: Julia. Because Julia recognized what was going on with Quentin and immediately gave him an outside reason to keep going.
3: I like that. Um, I'm going to give my flower to Lizard Elliot um, for performing all the best songs in yeah. the episode yep. and also for being there for Margot when she needed it most. Um and also appearing in the form that she most needed mm-hmm. right now, um, yeah. also in the form that I needed because I remember watching this for the first time and thinking, "Oh my gosh, I miss Elliot so much," and just like yeah. seeing him, seeing Elliot was like, "Oh Nights. yes,
1: yeah, okay." <laughs> that's why. I yeah, he's not always
2: a monster.
1: Mm. Uh, for me, I think I'm gonna give my flower to Zelda. To be willing to have the core of a foundation shaken. To accept that there might be a truth or like that she might be lied. She doesn't say like, oh, it cannot be true. She doesn't refuse when she sees data. She she accepts that there might be more and she seeks an answer, which I really... But the fact that she doesn't deny it right away, uh, not everyone has that so she's a librarian she
2: seeks knowledge yep. oh i want to give a second flower to magali for uh, finding a use for the lizard elliot coat yeah mm-hmm.
1: let's give a flower to the lizard coat <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> a flower to the lizard
1: coat um well that was it thank you so much for being with
3: us lauren Yay! that was so much fun i'm glad i got you
2: again 18 uh, yeah. year old me is and both 18 year old me and current day me are both um Screaming?
1: Aww. Yeah, me too. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I told her, I said, I don't understand why she's so approachable.
0: <laughs> she's so cool.
3: Aww. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have anything to plug that you want to say? Um, yeah, I guess if you uh, if you like magiciansy things, which I assume you might from watching from listening to this podcast, I have an album of songs about the magicians called Peaches and Plums. If you search for Peaches and Plums by Lauren Fairweather, it's on all streaming services, but also on paid platforms like iTunes um, and on laurenfairweather.bandcamp.com Fairweather um, If you want to listen to it, share it with your friends. Um, I, I one of the reasons why I wrote music about the magicians is because i wanted to make more friends who've seen it and read it um and so it makes me happy when people share it around and find it and discover it um i also designed a collection of magicians inspired t-shirts and other items for jordan Dene. um it's called the tada collection um so if you yeah if you go on jordan Dene's website um they're all the magicians shirts that she has on her website were ones that i designed
1: we're gonna put the link in the show notes.
3: <laughs> well,
1: thank you again. It was amazing. Yay! I'm happy. Thank you for inviting me to be here. This is a lot of fun. Yeah, and no, we're totally re-inviting you. You're, you're yes, all. <laughs> yay! Let me
0: know. <laughs> <laughs> The let her pissed off and the world shot back. Does she think
3: she is? He saw what he raised. A woman
0: he could no longer control. Who didn't seek approval? Nothing deadlier than fragile male evil. He-